as we continue, we are celebrating Advent and Christmas together today. We're combining um, our celebration today. And I'm curious, how many people here are used to doing Advent stuff? Um, for me, I didn't grow up celebrating Advent. It was something that, or practicing Advent, it was something that was introduced to it was something that was introduced to me as an adult. And so Advent means coming in Latin. And during Advent, we it's a time of, of self-reflection and a time of preparation as we think about the coming of Jesus. And the coming of Jesus both in past, present, and future. So yes, to baby Jesus being born, <laughs> and then yes, to Jesus coming every day in our lives and transforming this world and bringing about a God's kingdom um, within us and within our communities, and also as we think about the second coming. So today, in the fourth week of Advent, we consider love. Now, as some of you know who were here last week, Sarah and I just celebrated our 20-year anniversary. Pretty exciting. Aww. Yeah. And so we, we had the opportunity to, to take a trip and, uh, and enjoy time together. Now, when most that, of us That's here, why we're both tan and we're matching today, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. That's why. We, uh, to most of us, uh, culturally, when we speak of love, we think of romance. Of course, that's not the story I'm going to tell you today. Instead, I'm going to tell you about a different type of love, the type of love that we read about throughout Scripture. You see, in Scripture, the term love refers less to a feeling and much more to a posture towards an individual uh, in uh, uh, engaging on the behalf of an individual. Love has to do with an action. It has to do with caring for and leaning into the well-being of another person. Uh, a week ago today, um, on Sunday morning, uh, we booked my uh, surf session uh, there in Cozumel. We drove early that morning over to the east side, the wild side of the island, and uh, as I'm sitting there filling out the paperwork, meeting the other people I'll be surfing with and, and the host that'll be taking us out and showing us the area, um, he, he turned to us and he said, now you'll both be surfing today, right? I'm like, mm-mm. No, I nodded no, and Sarah spoke up, nope, not me, just here to watch. And he said, no, I think, I think you, should sur- you should both surf today. And Sarah paused, and she looked over at me, and I couldn't believe the conversation had even gone that far. And he said, here's the deal. If you don't get up on a surfboard, you don't have to pay. So come on out with us. And Sarah said, yes. Where's that sign? Sarah said, yes. She agreed to it. And on her first wave, she got up and rode it all the way to shore. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds much more heroic than it actually was, but... Hey, everyone out there was cheering for you. It was awesome. It was a beautiful moment. This was one of those moments where, like, Sarah was happy to go out there and celebrate just me doing something that I loved, but she participated. She, she joined in. That was, that was, I experienced that as love a week ago today. You know, the, the biblical narrative begins with the story of, of God's love. Now, though the term love is not used, understand love is written into the DNA of the entire biblical narrative. You see, uh, in the ancient world, there were all sorts of creation myths, stories about how people came to be and how the world came to be as it was. But Israel told a very different story than the creation myths of the world, of the religions of the world. You see, Israel told a story of a God who was powerful and loving, a God who created and then walked 
walked in an intimate setting with humanity in a beautiful garden. A God that desired to be in relationship, desired to walk with not just love from a distance, but walk with his good creation. As we read this narrative in scripture, we read of God um, having a, a covenant relationship with Israel. And this covenant relationship is like a sacred partnership that God demonstrates. This is how God demonstrated his love for Israel is through this covenant relationship and through how God would interact with God's people. And uh, like, like we talked about with the kids so often, all of us, at some point, we turn our and go down a different path, right? We turn away from God. We choose our own way. We sin, and we move away from God. And what's amazing in this narrative is that over and over and over, God remains constant. When people choose to turn away from God, God remains faithful. God remains loving. God remains present and good. So often we have this mentality of three strikes and you're out. I can give you a lot of chances, but I can't give you an infinite amount of chances. In fact, you'll hear people say how excited we, we are in whatever situation to get a second chance. And the amazing thing about God is that he's not a God of second chances. He's a God of infinite (laughs) chances, right? He keeps inviting us over back and back to him. He is a God of unwavering commitment and invitation to a loving and healthy relationship. And so throughout scripture, we read of both God's love and our invitation to reciprocate God's love. First John chapter four, verse seven, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's an interesting passage. If we read it backwards, we'd kind of get the flow a little bit better. You see, God in nature is love. And therefore, as we come to know God, we come to know love. And knowing God and his love invites us then to demonstrate love in this world. Love is described for us in 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, this is often called, nicknamed, the love passage, right? Starting in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This passage is probably the most common passage read at weddings as we talk about love. And it's a little bit ironic because we've been married 20 years, and I can confidently say that there's been at least one time that I've been irritable. What do you think? In that 20 years? (laughs) At least once I've been irritable with Micah. I remember that time. (laughs) You know, so it's a bit ironic that that we read this passage as we're, we're talking about marriages that are so imperfect, but this is the perfect description of God. Because God is divine love, and divine love is perfect. This kind of love perfectly describes who God is. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword, as it was written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sarah said it with the youth on the stage and and uh, uh, with some emotion that I appreciated. Uh, we want you to know today, as the author of Romans describes Nothing can separate you from the God that loves you so deeply. As we celebrate Christmas, we recognize that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love towards humanity. That Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love. In John 3.16, many of you can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That God so loved the world that that's where it starts. That is because of God's great love, his divine love, his perfect love, that Jesus was born to save humanity. That God became human to save humanity. And this is the divine love that never gives up. <laughs> the, di- the, the divine love that never fails. The love that keeps no records of wrongs. The, the love that is not irritable ever <laughs> or resentful ever, but the love, the divine love that is always patient and always kind. It is the, the love that provides for us what we can't provide for ourselves, and that is salvation. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love, Romans 5, 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't like to talk a lot about sin. It's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable to think about the fact that I fall short in those things nagging in my life that I just haven't let go of. But this is a beautiful passage, in fact, one that invites us to realize that in spite of any of that, God loves us deeply. And we don't earn God's love. It's not by balancing the the scale and a few more good acts than bad acts in our lives. No, God loves us freely. It is his gift. It is his nature. And so we're invited today, invited every day, invited this Christmas season to both receive and reciprocate God's love. That is our invitation. And my prayer for all of us, myself included, comes from Ephesians 3. It's a beautiful prayer that Paul wrote. Paul wrote, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. I'm convinced that some of us here today need to be reminded of who we are. And we are the beloved of God. 
Let that just soak in for a little bit, that we are the beloved. We're the ones that God cherishes, that God loves enough to send Jesus, enough to, to, to come to save us. And it is not because of how amazing we are. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's not because we have it all figured out. It's not because of what we have done or what we have not done, but it's because of who God is. And because of God's great love, nothing can separate us from that love. And so I want to say here very clearly that you are not too far from God to come back. That God is always extending his loving arms, inviting us to come back and to know God and to be known And we are invited to give ourselves completely to God because God is perfect love and God wants to transform us. And so we pray this Christmas with Paul, may all of us, our families and our friends and our communities and our world, may we all know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And so having accepted, having realized God's love for us, we are, of course, invited to reciprocate that in the world around us. Jesus himself said this one command I give you in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus' command, his his call to us is this, learn to live a life of love as Christ has loved us. And of course, in Galatians 5, we're reminded that love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something the Spirit is producing within us. Even our ability to love, we can't boast about, claim that we have some special gift and ability to love, because in fact, the love that we have to give in this world is that which we have received from God that which the Holy Spirit is producing in us.